0: You've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton.
1: And welcome to another thrilling paranoia podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I and the publisher and owner of Paranoia Magazine, Paranoia, Pub- Paranoia Publishing, and other stuff. Wow. Ron?
2: Impressive. I am impressed. Hey, I'm the you, uh, executive editor of Paranoia Publishing/slash Paranoia Magazine. And I am really excited. We haven't done a Paranoia podcast in years. Well, okay, since 2019, Months. right? Yes, like a month. It just seems so much longer. I don't know. It just.
1: Well, it's the holidays. Good. You know how it that, is. That's true.
2: Yeah. So we've broken free from the the grasp of the holiday spirit, and uh, <laughs> here we are in the in the midst of winter. Uh, it's pouring down rain here in the northwest. I don't know what it's like in your neck of the woods, Olaf, but.
1: I'm uh, Northern crazy. California is currently cold and clear.
2: Oh well, it's not bad. Yeah, it's just kind of depressing, man. It's just raining every day up here. I'm really Oh,
1: well, seasonal. The seasonal sun. depression, my friend. Seasonal yeah, depression, so, it's
2: real. Yeah, so I guess I need to get like a UV light and load up more on vitamin D3 drops. That seems to help.
1: Maybe some Maybe some shrooms so you can visualize. Um, you know what?
2: Shrooms? I don't know about shrooms. No, I'm uh, just I'll probably peyote is a little cleaner let's put it that way
1: yeah, i was shrips, just kidding, Ron. I, oh okay. we don't advocate <laughs> the use of Ill, illegal drugs
2: okay i was just saying it like in a metaphorical sense you know
1: yes Take theoretically
2: peyote and uh,
1: theoretically if one takes what? peyote
2: <laughs> okay but uh, so how you been what you been up to man
1: well, the first thing that I need to do is I need to apologize. We have a paranoia podcast I did about two weeks ago with a very interesting dude. Um, we are having technical difficulty with it. Apparently I had to switch cause I have a really old computer. I had mm-hmm. to switch the software that I used to record this, this phantasmical show. And, um uh, when I did it, for whatever reason, it's recording okay now, but I lost one side of the recording. So you can't hear me, really. It yeah. cuts out. Uh, you can only hear him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to release it as an as a short version where you won't be able to hear my questions. But pretty much, he just, he just goes on for about uh, 30 minutes or so. So you don't really need me. There's no real questions that I asked. He just told his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and its uh, he is the nephew of Bob from Bob's Board, uh, the <clears throat> spirit board designed by a serial killer to contact his victims uh, to say he was sorry. And then they later drove him crazy. So it is a crazy interview. It's short, so we'll just call it a Paranoia Podcast Light, And I'll, uh, I'll probably roll that tomorrow.
2: Right on. The abridged version.
1: Now bridge version now because there's no audio except for him <clears throat> I do have a, a fantastical announcement mm-hmm. the guys the guys who make Bob's board I think it's Bobsboardcom
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: they I will put it in the notes they uh, gave us a, a few boards to give away so oh. uh, any anybody who's listening if you would like a Bob's board, a spirit board designed by a serial killer. Um, the URL, by the way, to buy one uh, will be in the notes for this, uh, this episode. But if you would like one for free shipped to you, uh, <clears throat> let's call it the first four people who send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and tell me about a crazy paranormal experience they had and I'll send you a Bob's board for free. It's a
2: bargain, man! You can't beat How's Ron? No, I'm all in yeah. agreement over that. Yeah, it's we a actually had a, uh,
1: somebody from a
2: Bob's board uh, on our show about a year or two ago. Yeah, it was quite a uh, Quite, a, quite, a, quite a yeah, quite a compelling story. Actually,
1: it is. It's really super creepy.
2: Mm-hmm. And then we especially had when. What was that?
1: Especially, especially when he talks about how they all thought that it wasn't true until one day they were going through his stuff. And -hmm. the guy's dad found a bag filled with uh, driver's licenses.
2: Oh, wow. You know, that sounds a lot like a person I used to be associated with. (laughs) I better not name his name, but, uh, yeah, the guy anyway, is a well-known conspiracy (laughs) author and in, his wife found uh, seven fake IDs and passports under the bed in a black box.
1: No, 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 no. These <laughs> are not fake IDs. These were driver's licenses that belonged to women.
2: Oh, that, oh man, I did not know that. That's ew.
1: he's a he's a serial killer, or yeah. supposedly was one.
2: And so basically, those were just sort of like his little trophies, trophies. Or whatever, you know? Because usually. Yeah, it's, Serial killers like to have something of, you know, the victim that they uh, killed, right?
1: It is. It is.
2: Token. The guy
1: was really nice. E.B. Mm-hmm. His name's E.B. He was really nice. Mm-hmm. But it is about one of the creepiest stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Well,
2: I look forward to listening to it when it's on uh, this week sometime.
1: Yeah, I'm going to try to put it out tomorrow.
2: That'd be great that'd be
3: great
1: yeah and tomorrow being some nebulous state in the future
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> excuse me Warkoff. um so ron what what should we talk about tonight
2: well i mean we haven't really talked seems like in about a month so i just wanted sort of an update on your adventures what have you been up to
1: I will say the, the craziness is thick with adventure.
2: Oh, yeah? Well, you t- you it's took a little shot up in the Northwest last month, didn't you? Didn't you come up this way? I did. Yeah? You want to hear the
1: craziest? It... Yeah. Super weird.
2: Yeah. Tell me about so, it. A, a,
1: so, apparently, Evergreen Aviation is back.
2: Right, so maybe you want to explain what that's all about because some people may
1: not know about okay. Evergreen. So back back in the old days, up until a few years ago, there was an outfit called Evergreen Aviation. We actually sell a T-shirt with their logo on it. Mm-hmm. They were a they were a CIA funded airline for like the longest time. They ran oh, yes. cargo, people, whatever, in in and out of all kinds of places. In fact. Um, A lot of uh, Vietnam vets, if there are any that are uh, listening, um, they used to regularly run in and out of Tanshanet in Saigon. Uh And so, you know, they were flying military cargo and CIA stuff. So the guy who founded it, he eventually retired and he took a bunch of money because he got paid extremely well. Uh And he opened the Evergreen Aviation Museum in McMinnville. And they have the Spruce Goose, and they've got a Evergreen Aviation 747 in the front, and a firebomber. Because for a while, after their CIA con- contracts dried up, they did uh, firefighting, aerial firefighting. So they had a bunch of planes and whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and then there's a water park, because he felt the water was important to life. So he made yes. a water park. Cool. Called the Evergreen Aviation Museum Water Park or something. That's like a 747 on the top. Apparently, you climb. I've not been to that, but you climb yeah. up. Me, me, and me, and Chris, uh, Soup, me, and Soup. Yeah. Uh, we went to the we went to the Spruce Goose. You know, sat in the cockpit and all that. Mm-hmm. But the uh, water park it actually mm-hmm. has a seven Evergreen 747 on the roof, and apparently you climb up into it, and the water slides come out of the cargo cargo doors. Sweet, which I thought was super cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm a nerd. I thought that was super neat. Anyway, so I decided to make another trip up to up to Evergreen Aviation, take a few mm-hmm. photos again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe shoot some video or something. And there were people there. Real people? There were pe- Yeah, real people. And mm. so they uh, apparently have have reformed it. So, what oh, do
2: you mean reformed?
1: Well, it's not Evergreen Aviation anymore. It's something else. but
2: Oh, okay. Uh, they do that because of the uh, notoriety?
1: I don't know. I don't know why they changed the name, but they changed the name. But, but there's, there are people uh, running out of there now.
2: Mm, interesting. It was pretty wild. Yeah, I got to head over there someday. I mean, it's really not too far from where I'm at.
1: It's not. It's only about an hour maybe. Yeah. Now, for me, it's a little further. But mm-hmm. they have this beautiful uh, F-15 up on a pylon in front of it. It's gorgeous. I feel like fighter planes. Mm-hmm. But please, uh, listeners, please don't bother them. They're nice people. Uh, just leave them alone. But Yeah, but yeah. It's no, no
2: recon with uh, no, no recon. Yeah.
1: No. Anyway, <laughs> but that's only part of it the craziest thing. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So we, we publish. Okay. So you've seen Hellier. Yeah, I did. Okay. You, and you saw season two. No, I haven't. Okay. You need to watch season two way better than season one.
2: Really?
1: Okay. So, you know, Oh God. Yes, it is. It is phenomenal. It really is very, very cool. Some of the stuff they do is off the hook, but mm-hmm. One of the one of the things about Hellier, right, is that as they go through this mystical journey, and it's it's a mystical journey. Once, while they're going through it, right, um, they're referencing a book called the the secret cipher of the UFO Knots by a guy named Alan Greenfield. Mm-hmm. Does he sound familiar?
2: Oh, of course, yeah. He's been
1: a guest we on didn't.
2: the Paranoia podcast, and we happen to publish his book.
1: We happen to publish all three of them. Well, mm-hmm. four of them now. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so um, they reference the secret cipher of the UFO knots. Now mm-hmm. the complete cipher of the UFO knots, which go get that one. Mm-hmm. It's much more uh, authoritative, but gotcha. they, they reference it very heavily. So obviously mm-hmm. I'm connected through Alan to, to this hellier stuff. And you know, I'm not in like deep contact with them or anything. We traded emails a couple times, but that's about it. That'll become important in a moment. Okay. So I went to, a I went to a party and well, okay. So before I went to the party, so a guy known named Dave Scott, he's got a show called space Out radio.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He had a guest who, who got sick and he needed a fill in. So he called me up. He said, Hey, you want to come on? And I said, sure. So, you know me, I, I like doing interviews. So I go on and he says, well, what do you want to talk about I said, well, Hey, you know, everybody's watching this Hellier thing, which is awesome. By the way, I think I figured out why Hellier and what the penultimate objective of Hellier is, right? This guy, Terry wrist is kind of leading them around and his interview is actually in the back of the complete cipher of the UFO knots. So <clears throat> I don't know why them, but I know I've got a good idea why Hellier, and I've got a great idea of what they're trying to do in the end run, what the ultimate objective is. So right. I go on the show. I, I do the I do my shtick. I explain why Hellier. You know, it's basically I think it's long story short that the area around Hellier is a massive energy amplifier because of the minerals and stuff in the ground. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's taking it's taking this process that they're going through, this invocation that they're going through, where they're being they're being brought into a larger working a series of magical rituals, well whatever power energy thoughts they're putting out and whatever's trying to come to them is amplified by the geology of that area right and you know it basically has like an alluvium vein that runs from hellier all the way to point pleasant pretty much. And that's, that's kind of placerish. So it's got, it's got quartz crystals and other stuff in it. The whole mm-hmm. area is, is saturated by, by a zinc, zinc nitrate, which is like the crystalline form of zinc. So that it's like a huge zinc plateau on top of, on top of limestone, so, which is known to right. help with uh, yeah paranormal experiences. So I so I said, and at the end of the show, you know, Dave and I, it was kind of chuckle, chuckle. Hey Terry, you know, Terry Wrist, why don't you uh, give me an email, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to Alan about him. You know, I know some things that I can ask him to confirm he is indeed Terry Mm (coughs) Wrist. But
2: hey, gotta verify.
1: Yeah, always trust we verify. Why don't you give me a jingle? I'd love to talk to you. Maybe we could have you on the Paranoia Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of put it out to the universe. Hey, you know what's up? And so after that, the next weekend, uh, I went to a party. Mm-hmm. And at that at said party, let's just say that I I drank a little too much tequila. Mhm. okay yeah. Milagro tequila good, good stuff well let's say that I drank a bit too much tequila and I got a little sloshed mm-hmm. and you know how tequila is it makes you a little crazy
3: so yeah, that's I had heard. gotten
1: yeah yeah you wouldn't know that No. so when I got back I got in a hotel room so that I didn't have to drive home you know smart move. we're very safe at paranoia, yeah, we're very safe at paranoia Because so get back to my, because we're paranoid, right, yeah, so I get back to the hotel room and i I go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know i'm 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 really sloshed on tequila, and I just go to sleep, so <clears throat> I'm asleep for about an hour, plus or minus. And Dave up in Canada gives me a call and I, I roll over and I'm still pretty slosh. And I kind of look at the phone. I'm like, no, not tonight, Dave. I don't, I'm not talking to you at three 30 in the morning, click, hang up. <coughs> so then he calls me again and I'm like, Nope, not going to do it. I'm totally sloshed. It's, it's nap time now. He doesn't call me a third time because I kind of said in my head, okay, well, if there's a third time, I'll, I'll answer the phone. And so um, I'm just sleep it off. The next day, I go home and I get this phone call from Dave. Why the hell did you call me at three thirty-three in the morning or three thirty in the morning? And I'm and you know, of course, my radar, bing 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 bing. I'm like three thirty. Actually, exactly what time did I call you? And he said, "You called me three times at 3:33 in the morning."
2: That is bizarre,
1: and I have no record of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, I didn't call you, Dave. I have no record of it." Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there's a second. There was a second phone call made, but let's just focus on the Dave part for now. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so he's like, "No, no, no," and he sent me a screenshot from his phone, which shows that I had called him three times at 3:33 in the morning. And it didn't really, I didn't really think about it. And then suddenly it dawned on me, oh my God! Three plus three plus three is nine. And I called you three times, ninety-three. Mm-hmm. And that ninety-three is a very, very significant number. Not only is it an inverted thirteen, which makes it super powerful because it's reversed
3: mm-hmm. to
1: thirty-one, but also it it is a mystical number. And if you watch Hellier, they explain it at the very end of the show. But basically, it's a signature. It's a signature that comes from a group called the secret chiefs and people who are the who are in a Philema, the Aleister Crowley stuff. They use it as a signature. They will encode it into communications so that you know that they're legit.
3: Hmm.
1: Now I've now told you this. So now everybody's going to do 93s when they send me emails, (laughs) but, but 93 encoded into, into the message as a way to tell if it's from the secret chiefs or whatever so so i'm like okay this is weird now what is interesting is that he said on the third phone call he answered it because he thought it was urgent when he answered it he didn't hear a voice he heard a series of beeps beeping sounds when he hung up the phone he said oh screw it i'm going back to bed he closed his eyes and he saw brilliant neon colors, but he said he can't describe them because they don't exist on the earth. That he cannot describe the colors to you, it's just these swirling neon patterns and colors. But he saw this weird symbol, and it's actually on his Facebook. If you go to his Facebook, Dave Scott, Space Dot Radio, you can see the symbol. Uh And so it's like, okay, well, that's a little weird. Now, after he called me, the, the the second time when I put the, I locked the phone, I put mm-hmm. it down on the side table. The phone made a phone call to a guy named Alan.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Alan lives in LA. I haven't talked to him in years, but he's, he's a very nice guy, but it tried to make a FaceTime call to Alan and this guy in LA. And at the time, I didn't think about it, but we're talking about this 93 thing and these three phone calls. And so we we get Alan Greenfield on the horn, because, you know, if you have a question about this kind of stuff, Alan Greenfield literally wrote the book. So Mm -hmm. let's get Greenfield on the phone. Alan's a great guy. He'll maybe can shed some light on this. So we're talking and I'm explaining that I think this is a 93 thing and this is... And he's like, yeah, you know, this is, I think we're dealing with the secret chiefs. Uh, third order secret chiefs are kind of a illuminated, uh, ascended masters.
2: Isn't that what Alistair Crowley so, allegedly was in touch with?
1: Yes. And, and Ter And the, my thinking is, is that Terry wrist in Hellier is acting on behalf of the third order secret chiefs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, So Alan says, So what's this, you know, what's this second phone call? And I explained, they call this guy Alan. And and then it gets really weird. So this guy Alan works for a company called Circle of Confusion. Mm -hmm. Circle of Confusion makes makes the walking dead. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Walking Dead is shot in Atlanta or is is shot in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Alan Greenfield. Alan Greenfield is from and lives in Georgia, and yep. the the town where where they uh, where they actually filmed The Walking Dead is apparently the site of the one of the first investigations Alan Greenfield ever did on UFOs. It was like either the first or one of the first, and he had gone to this town in the middle of nowhere to interview a bunch of contactees mm-hmm. and to bring it all around for you. The guy working, his name is Alan. The guy working for Circle of Confusion. He had. We were in a Circle of Confusion with all this stuff.
3: Yeah, I
2: would So by the
1: end of the call, yeah. So we get quite into this call, and we're talking for a while, and we're kind of going through the whole ninety-three thing. And Alan's telling us he thinks this is confirmation of, of the third order secret chiefs, et cetera, et cetera. And then Dave says. There's somebody in my house. And, and of course, Alan being the nice guy that he is says, Hey, do you want me to send them an energy bolt and blow them out of there? Now, something you have to understand about Alan Greenfield, if you didn't get it on, when we interviewed him, he's the guy who opened the portal above KXL where ground zero is, is transmitted. He opened a portal above it and blew the transmitter offline. Apparently. So he does, win, he does. This was a long time ago. He oh. created Clyde. Clyde wanted him to do some of and magic and create a portal. And mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. And apparently the transmitter rebooted and your, your favorite broadcast engineer had to go like restart it. Now, oh, so. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, yeah. Nice guy. I like that guy. Anyway. So, Dave says, "Okay, well, I'm going to get my astral traveler to come and check this out." So Dave has a few friends that do different things, and one of them is an astral traveler. And so she she went in. and He got her on the phone. We're all on the phone at this point. She projects into the house and says, "There are two people standing in your house." Now Alan says, "Okay, well, you want me to blow them out, or you want let's maybe we should see what they have to say." So he. So she's describing what they look like and it's a man and a woman and they're dressed in kind of twenties clothes Mm -hmm. and the guy spoke with an accent and this other stuff. And so through the question, through the description and a series of questions that Alan asked, he was able to actually identify the man and asked her to ask him if that was who it was. And it turns out that it was. And it was this guy, his name escapes me at the moment, but he was a, he was a uh, a French occultist in like the 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. So they basically, exp- he explains that they're part of this council that sits below the Third Order Secret Chiefs. So the Third Order Secret Chiefs want something, they tell the council, the council tells the the people, the humans, right? So there's a hierarchy. The corpor- Some sort of like hierarchy. hierarchy. Okay, gotcha. Right. So we're able to determine that. So of course, I asked Alan to ask the guy if I got what I said right, if my theory was correct, because I, you know, the Hellier being the amplifier, and the end result of this whole Hellier experience being closing the portal that Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard opened as part of the Babylon working, which Parsons freely admitted that he never closed. Mm-hmm. And and the guy came back and said, "Yeah, you got it pr- pretty right." So there are probably some other some things I missed or got wrong. Now, when we got to Dave, Dave of course is has this experience, and and Al and I are trying to explain to him that you basically had a Valis experience, the book from Philip K. Dick.
3: Right. You
1: basically had a Valis experience. That what you're describing minus the pink light. It's literally Valis. That he he got phone calls with beeping sounds, and then he felt. You know, felt like things were being downloaded into his brain.
2: So some and like a psychic says, epiphany of sorts?
1: No, it's more like a, a psychic link. Okay. It's like a psychic link. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip K. Dick originally believed that it was a, a, like a satellite, an alien satellite that he had made contact mm-hmm. with. Gotcha. Over time, he kind of, it okay. morphed. By the time he got to the exogenesis, it, it became more like this kind of, kind of um super organic cloud of of thinking Mm -hmm. so so they basically told dave that the download was incomplete that they had attempted to download a bunch of stuff into his brain and that's what the colors were but Mm -hmm. his brain wasn't fully ready yet so he couldn't get everything so the conversation goes on a little bit more and basically at the end of the conversation they asked they literally asked him hey You know, what do you think? Do you want to take a ride? Mm -hmm. At this point, Dave's freaking out, (laughs) as would anybody. We're all freaking out. And and so (coughs) he goes, yeah, sure, take a ride. So that all ends. And him and his astral traveler, they go off and they have a little more of a conversation, which I don't know what they talked about, but he just said it was freaky. And, and done, done the next day, uh, she wakes up and she checks her phone and her phone. The, the browser is open to the secret service Mm -hmm. with the join the secret service page. And, you know, she had no interest in doing that. Not her scene doesn't want anything to do with it, but here it is on her phone. And so she kind of, kind of got a little unnerved by that we talked about it some more and our thinking is, is that, okay, you're part of the, the secret chief secret service. Now you want to join, you know, we want you to be loyal and trustworthy and helpful kind of, you know, whatever. And this was a message to her that, that the experience had indeed happened that that, that she wasn't cooking this up in her own brain. Mm-hmm. So I, I got validated that those phone calls were a message from the secret chiefs. So fast forward in about two weeks, I think, and I go to a place called the Brookdale Lodge with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Brookdale Lodge is like super haunted. Uh, it was on Ghost Adventures, Ghost Where's Hunters, that located? and every other ship. It's in the mountains above Santa Cruz. It's actually about about four miles from a town called Felton. And the... the there's a uh, Bigfoot, mu- a cute Bigfoot museum in Felton. So my friend and I had, had decided to go up there to go visit the Bigfoot museum, hike in the redwoods, maybe walk around the boardwalk, whatever. So we went <clears throat> and as we're driving into the Santa Cruz Mountains, my friend says, <coughs> and mind you, this is a very windy road. There are two mm-hmm. ways in and we took the windy one It's super windy. It's, it's night, nighttime. I got a big car and there's this guy who's on my, my ass behind me, honking, flicking his lights, just generally being a douchebag. And I'm trying to get up this windy road very safely. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm, I'm looking at the road. I'm only thinking about the road. Well, my friend says, Oh my God. I'm like, what? And she says, I just saw a face in a tree. Like, okay. She's like, I'm like, well, was it a carving? No, no. It was a face. It was a face of a real person smiling at me from a tree. And I'm driving and I'm like, oh my God, you saw the green man. And she's like, what's the green man? Because in her tradition, right? You still don't okay in in her tradition there, she didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, just like Dave had no idea what Vallas was. We had to explain it to him. Great book by the way. So, so she saw the green man, which is pretty crazy. So we get to the hotel we check in, whatever, go, go to sleep. As when we went to sleep, we both were like, okay, you saw the green man. That's crazy. Let's put out into the universe. Hey, did she actually see the green man? Right. And Mm. could we get some confirmation from the secret chiefs on this? Okay. So we go to sleep the next day. We went to the, we went to the Bigfoot museum. We hiked through the redwoods, went down to the boardwalk, you know, all the usual stuff. So it's you know it's getting to be about 3 p.m. and it's like okay well we kind of did everything we we set out to do, right? Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do now? Well, down the road from Felton, there's a place called Boulder Creek. And Boulder Creek, besides having a really phenomenal restaurant that has great churro waffles, <laughs> it, it's it's a cute it's a cute little mountain kind of community. So we decided, Hey, let's go walk around. So we were both hungry. So we went and got a salad at this pizza place and we're walking back and there's a, we, we went into this antique shop. It was kind of your typical kind of you know, junk junky antiques, a lot of sixties, seventies and eighties stuff, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not that terribly interesting. Um, but I kind of felt compelled to like go down this like hallway to this other room. And I find this hand carved Tiki Bigfoot for like 18 bucks, which is a nine. So I buy the Tiki, I buy the Tiki Bigfoot. I'm super excited. You know, Oh my God, I got a Tiki Bigfoot. How awesome is that? Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we leave and we're walking toward the car and you know, when we had originally walked toward where the, we had salads trying to watch my figure. Um, <laughs> we, we had passed by this kind of metaphysical bookstore. They're, they're pretty common around Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. Oh, so It was like, yeah, it was like, eh. yeah, it was like eh. one metaphysical bookstore is another one, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. hungry. Let's just skip it. Well, when we walked back up, my, my friend studies geology. So, um, she was very interested in all the crystals and minerals that they had in kind of the door the window and and you know she she likes metaphysical stuff too, but you know it was really about the crystals, and she's telling me what all the crystals are. I studied anthropology and sociology, my friends i I am not a geologist; mm-hmm. she is, so she's telling me about it. you know it's very interesting stuff. I love geology. I took a little bit, but not not enough to be able to act, look at something and know what it is. So, so she's explaining it all to me and I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go inside. And she's like, yeah, I kind of feel compelled to go inside, you know, it worked with Bigfoot, let's do it. So we go inside and we're kind of walking around and it wasn't your typical like metaphysical bookstore. It was more like a witch supply store, which is cool. You know, if you've ever been in one like that, it, it's much more interesting Then, right. than, than your run of the mill metaphysical bookstore, right? So it was more occult type
2: Wiccan. Wiccan, Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what they were missing though was ter- the Terra Mood deck, and Natalie needs to talk to them and get the Terra Mood deck in there. And
2: that should be like in every metaphysical and occult store in the country. I
1: mean that's Yeah, that's, I think that's, it's that's... what it's like com. I think, but yeah. go buy one. They're they're super yeah. cool.
2: You just need one deck. One deck per family in the United States will probably actually make the country a better place.
1: I think so. Yeah. And they're inappropriate. They're fun. Go buy one. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're walking through. And, of course, it's Wiccan, so inevitably they have the green man. Yeah. They have carvings of the green man and stuff. And she's like, that's what I saw. I'm like, that's the green man. The Mm -hmm. fact that you saw the green man... That's insane because I'm, you know, I'm rational. She's rational. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. That's the, that's the, the FN green man. That that's crazy. Okay. By the way, synchronicity back to hell year, they found some sort of green man cult in season two. So, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's weird. Now, when we had walked in for whatever reason, I had kind of, I'm right handed. So maybe that's why. I kind of looked to the right to see what was over there and there was a bookshelf and then there was a space between the bookshelf and the window wall and there was nothing there. And I thought to myself, and and this is not, this is not a bad thing. It's pretty common, but I thought, Oh, they must keep the brooms there. And they're, they're probably sold out because in a lot of, a lot of stores that are more like Wiccan supply stores or witch supply stores, Mm
3: -hmm. you know, they
1: have brooms. Because brooms are are used in various rituals and other things. So they have brooms. Well, I figured, ah, they must put the brooms there. Because there was nothing there. It was just empty. Nothing at all. So we walk around. We look at the tarot decks. No tarot mood deck. Got to fix that. But we walk around. We're looking at various things. You know, we get smudge sticks. And then we're looking at some of the oils and minerals and other stuff that they have. And she says, hey, look at this. And I'm like, look at what? And she's like, look at this. And and it's and I walk over, and where it had been empty, there was now an altar. She's like, that's an altar.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm like,
1: that is an altar. And I did not see it when we walked in. It was not there. She's like, I know. I looked right at that place, and there was nothing there.
2: Well, maybe somebody brought it in that space while you were there. I don't know.
1: No, 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 no. Nobody. Nobody entered and the lady who owned it was sitting at her desk the entire time. Wow.
2: Now it's getting really creepy,
1: buddy. Right. So there's this altar and it wasn't like a creepy altar, but it was an altar. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, what is that? She's like, is that an Indian? I'm all, that's an Indian chief. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And what it And it had some puka shells on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's weird because it's an altar, but it's an Indian, like a Plains Indian chief with shells on the bottom. Like, that's weird. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go buy our, let's go buy our, our smudge sticks and, and some other stuff she got. And, and let's, you know, go and, and do something else now. It's really okay. So we go, we buy our smudge sticks and we're walking up the street and then we look at each other. It's like, oh my God, that altar wasn't there. So it was a secret altar because we're kind of chatting the fact that we couldn't see the altar. And she was saying that that she had heard and she had actually experienced a few times a situation where for years she had gone into this place and there was nothing there. It was just a floor. And then one day there was an altar and she asked the person working there, hey, there's an altar there. And they were like, yeah, there's always been an altar there. You just weren't ready to see it. And so we were kind of discussing this in you know, the hidden altar thing, because it's a thing, right, that that altars will hide themselves or be hidden from you until you're ready to see them for some reason. Well, that's right. what happened to us. So then I'm like, wait a minute. And we looked at each other. We're like, it's a secret altar and it's a chief. It's a secret chief. <laughs> secret chief altar.
2: Yeah, man.
1: That is. I mean, awful, does it get otherwise? any more blatant than that? I know. Does it get any more blatant than that?
2: Right. Then you're talking about the nine, the number nine, the number what three?
1: Ninety-three. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was about two weeks before I had the whole ninety-three thing, mm-hmm. and then now I come to this, and I, I buy a, a bigfoot for nine bucks and for eighteen bucks, which is a nine. Yeah. You know, and then and then lo and behold there's a secret secret chief alter right. are like oh my god it's the secret chiefs because i had been explaining to her about the secret chiefs and and whatever because you know it's a bit of a psychonaut journey and you know she's kind of helping me out and and she's my she's my uh, psychonaut companion as we go through this That's because nice. you know some things have happened to her as well.
2: and you're doing this all naturally too it's all organic you're not using drugs to induce a no. state of no. mind. no god no that's great.
1: Just just tequila, the one.
2: Yeah, that just that—that <laughs> that was the spark. The tequila was the spark, man, because it has yes. a goddess in it, an agave goddess. I know.
1: Okay. So, so of course, I called Greenfield. Greenfield's like, you better pay attention. And then Greenfield did an I Ching reading for me. Now, if you guys don't know what the I Ching is that is a, a mystical ancient, uh, Oracle. And, mm. you know, it's, it's used heavily in Buddhism and other things. And he did a reading and, and he's like, he's like, and I'm telling him, I said, you know, one of the things that I, I need to understand is that the, the name of the bookstore was the, was the fire and wind mm-hmm. and bookstore metaphysical shop. And he's like, Oh my God! You got to see this reading. There's something. I well, didn't say. Oh my God! I'm putting that in there. But he said, "Oh boy, you got to see this. This is going to creep you out." So I, I pull up the the I Ching reading, and and it's very interesting, and it's bang on. I mean, it's it's bang on for everything that that I've experienced, she's experienced, we've experienced. It's bang on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it gets to the part where it's talking about fire and wind. And it was like a direct link to the bookstore that we went into. That's it was crazy. in the reading. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's basically that's just more, more confirmation. It would, It's just like synchronicity piling upon right. other synchronicities. It's like exactly. this uh, convergence of sorts.
1: Right. And so he said, well, you better pay attention to the reading then. And in the reading, it said the, the results of the reading were two things. One is a vessel and the other is dispersion. Mm-hmm. And so when you read the announcement, the, the breakdown of what it means, right? Mm-hmm. Basically the vessel, oh, oh, hang on. Before that even, so I had this dream. Before, before I went to Santa Cruz, I had this crazy dream. So I live near Mount Diablo, the mountain of the devil, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a dream that the Mount Diablo erupted like a volcano and that it filled the valley below me with lava. Right. And I was, I was sitting up on the ridge in a, in a, uh, like a lawn chair watching the, the lava pour out and this thing exploding. Like I knew it was going to explode. And so, of course, you know, Greenfield is knows this stuff. So, of course, I'm talking to Greenfield (laughs) and I explained it to him and he said, I think that I said my interpretation of it is that it's symbolic of blowing open something. he goes, yeah, he's like, this is, I think, symbolic of it blowing, blowing the roof off of something, blowing the top off, blowing something open and information Mm -hmm. pouring out. And there was also fire, and there was wind, right? Right. Because it's a volcanic eruption. So I'm telling my friend who does geology about this, and she's like, well, you know, that's completely not possible, she's very rational. That's completely not possible. I'm like, okay. She's like, you know, Mount Diablo is actually somewhat anomalous because it's not volcanic. And basically what it was is a a portion of the seafloor was pushed up vertically, due to some sort of catastrophic event that they can't massive seismic event pushed this massive column of seafloor up vertically, and then it's weathered and turned into Mount Diablo. So, so anyways, so I get this I Ching reading and it says, you know, basically it's vessel and dispersion and vessel is that you are, you are a vessel of information, but you have to break the vessel open to let the content spill out and to, and then there's the dispersion. You have to spread the information and basically to help other people access the information as well. Huh. How's that for crazy?
2: That is. Well, just... It just seemed like it was synchronicity upon synchronicity, confirmation upon confirmation. And uh, you were like in an episode of Hellier, basically.
1: Basically, it was like being in Hellier, if you've watched Uh it. Yeah. It was wild. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So, you know, we, we discussed it. And so on basically this weekend... Right, there are three days: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So three. We're we're going to attempt to again contact the secret chiefs like we did before, mm-hmm. and to ask, you know, what's next? Yeah, you know, where where do we go from here?
2: Uh huh. Are you going to the- basically do the same sort of? Uh- the same way or are there different ways yeah, to we're going to
1: there, there are a lot of different ways. We found one that, that appears to be, <clears throat> appears to work the best. Uh-huh. It's now worked. It's now worked twice and this attempt would be the third. So, right. you know, we're going to, to attempt to do what we did before the last two times to generate the contact. Um, and you know, where, where we will be when we do it, I put it into the secret cipher. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, the results were very interesting. It was very consistent with, you know, what we suspected about there being power about, you know, knowledge being shown, you know, it, so we're thinking that if this is the third time right. that if we do the same the same procedure that we did before the same process then because you know to me like when I do when I see this stuff
3: mm-hmm.
1: I see it as a, as a form of, of science it's like a form of science that we don't understand
3: mm-hmm.
1: I don't see it in a religious context so much as as more scientific, in nature, it's mm-hmm. you know it, it's if you do these things, these things will happen, right?
2: Right. Well, basically, so, it's know. sort it's sort of a a way to manipulate energy, and so that yeah. that stuff that can actually be uh, you know tested per se, right? Yeah you, you can test,
1: right. and that's what we've been doing. Good. We've been experimenting with various ways to put the energy out there, and mm-hmm. and so we think we found a process that that seems to work well. So Mm -hmm. we're going to attempt to do that again. And, Mm -hmm. and if it works the third time and I'm hoping that something significant happens again, because it's the third time, you know, then we're going to try, you know, I have some friends who are interested in this kind of stuff too. And then maybe we can all, you know, we can all kind of project energy out in a calculated way to, to try to make bigger things happen, right? Because, you know, it's, if you have, if you have the energy of a single person and you project it out into, into the ether, right, that's a certain amount of energy that's projected. If you add another person, then you're doubling it. If you add another person, you're tripling it. And it just gets geometrically more powerful. So the thinking is, is that if we all kind of, kind of, you know, agree on on something that we want to kind of project out there and then we kind of project it out all of us together at the same time, you know, maybe something significant will occur. So mm-hmm. it's it's a series of experimentation and cause and effect. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it's wow. weird. It's it's very <laughs> strange. It's I have to tell you, I've seen you know, Ron, you've been there when I've seen some of this stuff, and it and it's mm-hmm. it's weird stuff, but nothing like this.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, there were just so many different things that were occurring that uh, sort of defies logic. And uh, it does. Yeah. So, as far as what occurred today, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. You know, there was sad news that you know Kobe Bryant died. In a uh, helicopter crash with his 13-year-old daughter. And uh, I think there Good were point. a total of nine people that died, I believe. And right. uh, so, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Now, I, I actually just got a uh, a text from somebody uh, who said, so is Paranoia Magazine saying uh, Kobe Bryant was killed by Trump? <laughs> <laughs> uh absolutely no.
1: not
2: yeah did somebody say that in a post on the paranoia yeah oh,
1: okay. yeah yeah <laughs> because <laughs> what what I had done at 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 the at the uh not request but at the suggestion of of somebody mm-hmm. is that i i fed i fed the location his name helicopter <laughs> into the secret cipher to see mm-hmm. what the result would be. And the right. result was very interesting. And yeah, but I, I put share up some a, of that? kind of breakdown. Can you, right, yeah, can you share some I, of yeah. that? That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm telling you the story. So so exactly. somebody posted a response to me kind of breaking it down and said effectively that, that uh, Kobe Bryant was very vocal against Trump. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I would categorically say that 100% that I, I don't think Trump had anything to do with it at all. It's kind of a ridiculous it's kind of ridiculous, but I try to be rational. Well, so what the secret cipher said because according to Greenfield, you can put information into the secret cipher and then the result will kind of give you some insight uh symbolically and metaphorically into the event. And to the point of Greenfield's very good at it, obviously. <laughs> But he said that you can put in the time, date, and location of an of a UFO event. And if you understand the secret cipher, mm-hmm. the result will tell you potentially where the next one will be. Mm-hmm. So in this case, in this case, I put the I put the location, his name, and helicopter in a secret cipher, and a lot of what I was getting back, um, it was about kings you know, kings like royalty, Mm -hmm. Uh, a a girl being alone, right? Or children being alone, Mm -hmm. Um, death, destruction, you know, um, some sort of of secrecy about it. Mm -hmm. And so my interpretation of that was because, you know, it's symbolic, right? So my interpretation of it was, you know a lot of people see Kobe Bryant was the king of basketball that he was very popular yes. very famous and he he died at the top of his game mhm you know well he and, retired yeah and uh, yeah the... he retired but he re- he but at at 41 the his age when he died you know he was still seen as one of the one of the greats so he yes. was at the top of the game mm-hmm. right yeah and the death obviously represents his death. The the children and being alone is about him, his wife, you know, his wife, his kids, his other kids. They're now alone. They don't have yes. him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the secrecy stuff, you know, not not all the information is revealed. I think it may have to do with with this. Apparently, he belonged to some sort of secret society that he credited and he was doing yoga and other stuff in the secret group. Mm -hmm. And he credited it with, you know, his health and all this. And maybe it was somehow related, not necessarily to the crash, but it was related to what he was going to be doing on that trip. Mm -hmm. See, it's, 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 it's symbolic. So it doesn't tell you a hundred percent, but there was somehow that group that he was a part of is linked to maybe the trip. I don't think they sabotaged the helicopter. Probably just had a mechanical failure and crashed. But right. maybe maybe he was going to do something on that trip for them, or mm-hmm. he was going to to see them, or he was going to well, do something under, under with them. Well, under the
2: guise of of going to a basketball game uh, for his daughter and uh, her daughter's his daughter's friends. I mean, that was supposed to be what the trip was about. However, you know, there could have been some underlying things going on as well
1: right because you know he's a he's a person maybe after the game (coughs) he was going to go to a yoga class at the secret group right which is which sounds kind of weird you know oh i'm going to do yoga
2: in my illuminati group or whatever it's called right right
1: but but it could be that that mundane and simple but there's something the secret cipher seems to indicate there's something related to that Yeah. in regards to him and that trip or that helicopter, maybe they own the helicopter, maybe, you know, I don't know who knows, but there's something related to it, to the trip itself.
2: Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see the, uh, possible numerology that sort of kind of coincides with these types of, uh, disasters or yeah. people yeah, sure. dying in, in such a traumatic way. So, yeah, I mean, it's just I haven't just done that today. yet. Yeah. Well, I, I know that there's some psychics. Uh, I've heard of a couple of psychics basically said that, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant basically sold his soul to the devil, so to speak. And so, you know, the Grim Reaper is getting its just reward now because he uh, – you know, he did his thing, right, for the, the so-called yeah. Illuminati. But, you know, there's, there's that's what happens, though, when somebody famous usually dies. They have all this sort of uh, conspiracy speculation that runs amok. And, you know, some of it sounds plausible and some of it is just so outrageous. I think sometimes people just, like, put it out there just because it's just so outrageous. And then, but they're... A few people that will actually grab onto it and then start, you know, putting it on other websites or message boards or whatever. And, you know, it sort of takes a life of its own. So, you know, what I like to do is I like things to sort of filter through, kind of weed out some stuff. And then you start seeing some possible connections as to, you know, why he actually died.
1: Well, I mean, you want it to kind of cool down and, and then start to get some facts, because you know, yeah. even even in the conspiracy world, right? You know, we're all conspiracy nerds, geeks, nuts, yeah. whatever you want to call us, enthusiasts, hobbyists, whatever. Uh huh. You know, it's still based on on reality. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not just running out there cooking something up in your backyard just because you feel like it. I mean, you're connecting dots and dots mm-hmm. connect to dots and more dots connect to other dots and eventually you have a pattern. So you're, right. you know, really it's, a, it's a quest for the, for the revelation of that pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe right now the Kobe Bryant thing, it's just a helicopter crash. Maybe in five years, there's another helicopter crash on the same day with a, with a sports star. And then you start to see the pattern or maybe you do the breakdown of the date or the time and it starts to indicate something. Right. That, that's really what it's all about. Because one thing I like to tell people is look, I don't, my, my beliefs are complicated.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it comes from a lifetime of, of seeking out the 14 and the weird mm-hmm. and seeing things that other people don't and going to places that other people don't and experiencing things that other people don't. So my beliefs are, are, are complicated by that. Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is that whether you believe or don't believe in, in the the numerology or the occultness of some of these things, whether you do or don't believe it, they believe it. So you don't have to believe it. I believe (laughs) some of it. I don't believe other parts of it, but Mm -hmm. they believe all of it and they time things and they do things based on dates and and numbers (laughs) And, and shapes. And so, you know, they're, they're, whoever they are, they're very invested in it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and because of that, you have to pay attention and understand it. You don't have to believe in numerology. I do. I do to some extent. But you, you don't have to. But what you should do is pay attention to it because they absolutely do believe in it.
2: Right. Well, sometimes that's referred to as the twilight language. Or also the revelation of the method, which uh, right. James uh, Shelby Downard had uh, talked about in some of his books, earlier books. So, yeah, that, that kind of stuff, definitely you, you can connect the dots and see a, def- a definite connection or correlation. What? It's just how to, how it all works, you know, that's that's the thing. Yeah. You know? How it all fits together. And, and then... And and, then Part of it is real, I believe, ritualistic, in a sense. Of course.
1: Well, I, I don't think it's ritualistic in a sense. I think it's ri- I think some of these things that happen are literally ritualistic in nature. Because uh-huh. again, y- you don't have to believe it. You don't have to agree with it. You can think it's Luciferian or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. They believe in it, and yep. because they believe in it, it drives the decisions that they make. Yes you look you look at 911 uh-huh. right 911 is a date you know there's a lot of significance around the date and whatever right but a lot of things a lot of things happened on september 11th through history that is one true. of the things that happened yeah one of the things that happened is that they actually they finished and opened the uh, the pentagon
3: uh-huh.
1: it's the anniversary of the pentagon on september 11th right you know, so and, and the Pentagon itself, because it's the Pentagon, you know, there's a lot of stuff about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, they they, whoever they is, chose to open the Pentagon on September eleventh, then then decades later, many decades, almost a century, they mm-hmm. they decided they decided to attack it. Yep. Whether it was a plane or a cruise missile or a dr- well, I don't think it was a direct and energy weapon, but well, there's a plane or a cruise missile, whatever it was that hit it, something hit it. And that is significant because of the date and because of the event itself. So it's kind of multi-layered. It's kind of it's kind of like what I've been going through with the 93 and the Secret Chiefs. You know, you walk into a bookstore, there's nothing there. Wait a minute. Now there is something there. Wait a minute. Now it's a, it's a Plains Indian Chief. Wait a minute. It's a Secret Chief.
2: Mm-hmm. It just kind mm-hmm.
1: of... You know, it just kind of kind of comes to you.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever get freaked out by that kind of stuff? Or how, how do you actually feel? How do you respond to sort of this high weirdness that seems to really manifest quite a bit in your life? More than it does mine, that's for sure.
1: You know, um, I don't generally get scared. Mm-hmm. I'm more fascinated by it that when when it happens it blows your mind Mm -hmm. it never stops blowing your mind every time it happens it's like oh wow and Mm -hmm. i can't cuss because of fringe but it's kind of (laughs) like wtf yeah hey we've been
2: really good about that cussing stuff i must say
1: i know it's tough but it's like wtf what is this all about And I think that happens every time Uh it's kind of like when you, when you see a UFO, no matter how many times you see it, you're like, what is that? So you always get the mind blowing aspect of it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But I think after that, then the rationality kicks in and it's like, okay, what does it mean? And I think for me, when I see this stuff, especially the super chief stuff, because uh-huh. I really do believe that that I communicated with the secret chiefs multiple times.
3: Mm-hmm. When
1: this happens, it, I'm I'm curious. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. You know, like I said, we went back and said, okay, well, you know, we did this the first time it happened with the phone calls. This mm-hmm. is how we got that to happen, apparently. So we're going to mm-hmm. try it again. We tried it again. Boom. We get the secret chief. And it's like, okay, well, that happened a second time when we did it that way okay, let's try it a third time. And this time, you know, let's, let's try to get more than just confirmation. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the third time, you know, let's, let's go after something a little more significant, but you know, it's still like, it's a process. It's like, wow, that was crazy. The first time, wow. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, the second time was even crazier than the first Mm
3: -hmm.
1: in a lot of ways. I would say that that although watching your phone call somebody by itself is pretty shocking
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: seeing the green man the secret chief hidden altar you know and and what ha- some things that happened while we were trying to maybe say invoke the secret chiefs to put that mm-hmm. intention out there of contacting them yeah you know it it was crazier so okay you know now we're on a trajectory so you know, we discussed it and it's like, well, we're going to give it a third third shot. We're going to do the same thing that we did before. Let's see if it happens a third time. And, you know, let's put some more energy behind it to see what, what happens. So for me, like I said, I'm fascinated by it. It doesn't freak me out Not anymore. I mean, it did mm-hmm. when I was younger.
2: Right. Well, maybe you, know, you, can, you can somehow kind of document it and... uh you know.
1: Yeah, I want to write it all down. I think I think though before I can fully write it all down, mm-hmm. I have to understand what the what the end game is. That mm-hmm. you know, right now, it's you're in it. You're
2: going along for the ride.
1: Well, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Something that I told Dave when I was on Space Out Radio. We had we did another show. If you go to Space Star Radio, look for the most recent episode of "The Ghosts of the Great White North." Uh-huh. It actually talks about his experience, and one of the things that he, you know, he was saying is that it really freaks him out. And and I I reminded him I said you know this things like a freight train that once you once you get into it and you get on the train and you're going down the track,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: can't get off. All right, and that if you if you avoid it. Like I have a friend, he, you know, he writes stuff and, and he won't, you know, he, he just kind of doesn't do anything about it. And, and he's had two well-known authors read his stuff inadvertently and be like, okay, you need to print this. You need to publish this, right? you know, and it's like just the synchronicity of having two well-known authors tell you that and say, look, I'll help you out. Right. You know, that's crazy. Well, it's like, okay, if you dodge, if you dodge the symbol the first time, it will chase you down. If mm. I hadn't seen that secret chief altar and, and she hadn't seen that secret chief altar, <coughs> something else would have happened. Yeah. You know, it, it's not, it's not like it gives up. It doesn't give up. Once you're on the freight train, you're on it. hmm and you know the the way that I try to also describe it to people is that you know we we live in a world and we're we're addicted to the news and you know who's doing what to who and
2: people are addicted and, you know, to drama you know, label, to, you know
1: right label, label label, you know we all have to fit these societal norms of people's expectations of where we should be in our lives or you know how we want to relate to other people Every, you know I was just talking about that today that how how you relate to people and and what the, how that manifests, you know, we have these societal norms. And, and so we all try to fit in those societal norms. We want the house, the two kids and the two cars and, and the wife and everything's copacetic and you're trying to climb in your job and all that crap. What that does though, is that, and because we're all addicted to the television, you know, Hey, I like the mystery of Oak Island. I admit it. I like fortune fire. I love, I love uh, watching Forge and Fire. You know, it will kill. I mean, that's about the best thing ever. It even made me want to forge. You know, I'm trying to learn how to forge. Yada, yada. But I'm not dumbed down by it. Right. And by the way, if Doug Marquita ever listens to this podcast, dude, you are the bomb. Anyway, <laughs> so, I love that guy. It will kill. It's like the best part of the whole show. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, you know, we're all dumbed down by, by the news of all kinds, whether you're on the right or you're in the left and you're, you're up or down or sideways or whatever, we're dumbed down by this bombardment of information and mm-hmm. it affects us as people. And I try to tell people, look, you know, take, take a line out of Ferris Bueller's day off. You know, you, if you're going too fast, sometimes the world passes you by the mm-hmm. signs are all around us. They're everywhere. All you have to do is look. Mm -hmm. If you want to, and it's true of a lot of things. If you want to see a UFO, they're there. Go look. Mm -hmm. Don't look down. Look up. (laughs) You know, people always ask me, they're like, you've seen a bunch of UFOs. How did you do that? Well, I didn't do anything. I just showed up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I heard there were UFOs there and I decided to go. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up, I looked up in the sky and said, okay, where are you? And then boom, there they were. Yeah. You know, if you want to see stuff, you've got to go to where those things are and then look for them.
2: So just like Bigfoot, a UFO. Too.
1: Bigfoot was a little strange. Yeah. That was weird because I'm not the one who, who initially saw it. Mm-hmm. that that's a funny story by itself
2: right but you know i just got back from the bigfoot conference and you know it's like man all these people have seen bigfoot i've never seen bigfoot but uh you know when i first went to seti ranch in 2015 over by trout lake washington uh there's lots of ufos and bigfoot sightings and so anyway, I'm pitching my tent, and I'm looking at the corner of my eye because I thought somebody was there. And it's like, oh, and I, oh, nobody's there. Okay. And then I go at it again, and then the same thing happened. And I'm going, what the hell? Man, it, it just freaked me out because I was seeing things out of the corner of my eye. Then later I was told that sometimes it's like Bigfoot, or something is about to reveal itself. It's, it's sort of like this uh, dimensional door that's starting to open up, and mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it was just so freaky. So I don't, well, I don't know what your experience was.
1: Well, that's that's what Greenfield contends is that ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, all that stuff is linked. Mm-hmm. <coughs> They're all linked together. All yeah. the 14 stuff is linked, uh-huh. and that's what you the whole ultra terrestrial argument that are they aliens? No, they're ultra terrestrials. They're interdimensional. Uh-huh. But, um, no, I mean, I was, I was on that trip with you in 2015 and I was, I, people may not know what he said he is like, but it's a big field. Right. And they had, they had picnic tables and I was playing Tetris on my phone uh-huh. and uh, Larry Overman, Ghost Mind guy, Larry Overman was there and he uh, he hit me. He bumped me and said, you got to see this. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm playing Tetris. And he goes, no, 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 no. you really got to see this. I'm like, no, I really don't. I'm really playing Tetris because I love Tetris. And he's like, no, I mean, you really, this is weird. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I turn around and we watched um And then Soup was there, and and so me and Larry are watching the the these two things climb up the side of the mountain, and and I'm like Soup, you gotta see this. Soup, you gotta see this. He's like what what, and he looks, he's like oh my god. And so we're watching these two things climb up the side of the mountain, and they got to the top, and then they descended down into a crevasse. And uh, Soup is a is a very smart dude, and he did the math because he knows how he did the distance cause I don't know it's maybe 10 miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. He did, he, I took a photo, but you can't see anything. My phone.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but he, he did the math and he figured out, I think that they were like nine or 10 feet tall, mm-hmm. maybe a little more. They were big enough that at 10 miles you could see the stride. Mm-hmm. And so we watched it climb up the side of Mount Adams. Yeah. And it was black. I mean, it was, was climbing up a snowfield. I mean, it was just very obvious. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a person. It was too big. Mm. So, like I said, soup did the calculations, and I think he said it came out to nine or ten feet tall. Big, husky, yeah. nine or ten feet. But but again, you know, you're at you're at SETI mm-hmm. is a hot spot for weirdness. You know, we you will remember. So we watched a hangar door open on the side of the mountain. You saw it too. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw the we saw the portal open in midair. Stuff come in, go into it, come out of it, but never through it. Right, it was like an orangish, yellow, purple, mm-hmm. was changing colors. You know, you saw that stuff too. The orbs flying through the trees. Now but I
2: you, I you have to I wasn't up. there when that. It must have been uh, the year before you were there because I was just there. That was my first year, and it was just uh, me and uh, uh, Roger and uh, Clyde and Sarah. So, but yeah, I don't recall you or Larry or Chris. Then, then
1: it was the year before.
2: Yeah, that's when actually uh, Clyde,
1: Clyde saw it. Yeah, Maybe Clyde it. saw one.
2: So, yeah, there's a lot of but again, that was really you know, fantastic.
1: Again, you know, you go to a place like that, you go look for it.
2: Yes. Uh-huh.
1: You know, you have to look up if you want to see the crazy planes flying through the air, you have to look up because they're in yes. the sky. Yes. Oh if yeah. If
2: you want to
1: if you yeah, if you want to if you want to see what the secret chiefs have to say, you have to watch for the signs.
2: Yeah, I, I what, think I'm people talk. just Maybe yeah I'm
1: more observant.
2: Well, and I, I just think uh, people again are just too busy, right, with other things, and uh, it's it's sort of like you have to be in the right state of mind, and uh, then things start opening up, and you know, like you say, start they start revealing themselves to you, just sort of like uh, when they you didn't. were talking about being at that store and first not seeing the altar. Then all of a sudden, right. both of you saw the altar. There it is. Yeah,
1: plain as day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like you're kicking yourself because you're like, "Why didn't I see that when I walked in?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the 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 explanation for that is that you you weren't ready to see it. It mm-hmm. wasn't the time. Yep. It's kind of like kind of like poor Dave. He goes through this experience, and they're like, "Well." You know, we got a symbol through to you, but you weren't ready for the rest of the download. They literally told him that. They were like, you weren't ready for the rest of the download. Uh-huh. There's more coming, but you can't get it until your your brain is ready. Yeah. It's consistent with Valus, Right. So you know, after, after PKD had the Valus experience, on and off for the rest of his life, he said that he felt like he was uploading and downloading information from Valus,
3: Mm-hmm. hmm And...
1: I tried to explain to Dave, you know, well, that, that may be what you're, you just signed up for, which kind of creeped him out. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah. it's good stuff. That's a thrilling podcast. Let me I tell you. I know. Well, you know,
2: it's just good to have sort of an update on uh, high weirdness that goes on with yeah. uh, you or myself. Oh, wow for those who are close to us, because, uh, you know, to me, life is never boring. I I, I don't know. I wow. guess I have a pet peeve when people go, oh, I'm bored. And I always think to myself, well, you have a mind. You can think. You have an imagination. Life, why Why are you bored?
1: This is what you make it. Life you know what I'm is saying? What
2: you make it. E- even when I was younger, I don't think I used to say, oh, I'm bored. It's like, man, I would draw or go outside and do stuff different things it's just uh yeah there's so much that we have in our life that we just take for granted there's so many adventures that we can be a part of and you know life is an exploration you know the meaning of absolutely existence. absolutely so that's what we're all about paranoia we just ain't paranoid we're just full Uh of good old curiosity and try to analyze things and figure things out and, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's true that, you know, we are paranoid, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's trust, but verify you, mm-hmm. you're paranoid, but that means that, that when you have an event, like what happened with the phone, you step back and you're paranoid. You're like, well, did right. that really happen? Okay. Mm-hmm. It did it happen? well, can I make it happen again? Exactly. And then it's like, okay, I got it to happen again. Now I want to see how, how much further I can push it. But you're paranoid that it didn't happen or you got something wrong. So you're mm-hmm. constantly going back. You're constantly checking. You're constantly thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what p- being paranoid is all about.
2: Right. And we're proud of it.
1: I'm very proud of being paranoid.
2: Well, that was fantastic, man. That was a fantastic Paranoid podcast once again.
1: It was, it was, and big, big shout out to to Alan Greenfield. You know, the guy is amazing, and and he's been helping me on mm-hmm. my uh, apparent psychonaut journey. Excellent. So, yeah, he's been helping everybody, and and watch Hellier. Um, you yeah, I mean, I've that for this second season, right? It, Yeah, second season, Mm -hmm. way better than the first. And you know what happened to me? I believe is because I'm connected to Alan. Mm -hmm. But I've I've spoken with Alan about this, and I think I think that there's I think that the people who are watching the show are experiencing synchronicities because they're Mm -hmm. connected to the process through the show if they want to be. And that's a big statement. If they okay. want to be connected and have synchronicities because of it, you will. If you don't, right. it's just a show, and you won't. You have to have, you know, you have to to accept it and invite it in. If you don't mm-hmm. want it, it won't be there. I can tell you that with a hundred percent certainty. Mm-hmm. Well, ninety nine point nine 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 nine. Yeah, that, that's pretty but, <clears throat> Yeah, but it's you know it's an amazing show, and and I think a lot of people are being affected by it. I think a lot of people are being woken up by it. I think it's making a lot of people curious and wanting to know more. And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome.
2: Cool. Right on.
1: So that that's it. We did it, man. Another thrilling paranoia podcast and, uh, you know, uh, new issues being worked on, uh, Patreon people. It's coming. I know I always say that, but, it was the holidays and things were busy in January, okay. but it's coming. Yeah, it's going to be a special,
2: copy. a special issue. Right? <laughs> yes,
1: but you will get your copy before the new issue comes out. We're we're good for it. It's coming. That is. Gritty. And uh, check out Bob's board. Mm-hmm. It's really freaky.
2: We got Freaking a contest weird. going too. So is that contest, contest posted contest. on the Paranoia Facebook no. page? Oh, you got to do that. It
1: will be posted. It will be posted as part of the podcast. Excellent. uh, The guys over there at Bob's board, I think it's Mm bobsboard.com. They're super cool. Uh, helped me get the interview with EB and gave me some boards to give away. So I definitely want to give those away and, uh, bring, bring some weirdness to some other people besides me. (laughs) Anyway. So as, as I always like to say, uh, Everybody, be excellent to each other. Ron, and
2: take good care and keep the faith.
1: All right, people. Good night.
2: Aloha. Okay.
0: Aloha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. ParanoiaMagazine.com. Intro theme, The Guide, is composed by Scott Moon. Scottmoon.net. Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. Professorelemental.com. Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI74 visit us at OSI74.com. We are resuming control for now.